Uh, we're in the last week of Advent, and kids, uh, you've been going along with us adults here in gathering through the Advent a um, couple of weeks, and I want to ask you, what does Advent mean? Do you know what the definition of Advent means? Colton, waiting. Yeah, and a, a waiting and anticipation of the arrival of whom? Who are we waiting for? Yeah. We're waiting for Jesus. What are we waiting for him to do? Yeah, to finally save us, destroy Satan, to come again, right? Just like he promised, and to make all things new, right? So we're going to, as we go into the last week of Advent, we are in Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to invite you, if you have a Bible or a smartphone or wherever, to turn to Luke 2, and this morning I'm going to have a few of our students, our kids, read this passage for us. So I'm going to invite uh, Jackson and Lily and Jesse and Ethan up here to the stage, and they're going to read through Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. The order said that they must list their names in a register. This was the first registration taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own towns to be registered. So Joseph left Nazareth, a town in Galilee. He went, down to, the, he went to the town of Bethlehem in Judea. He went, oh, um, this town was known as the town of David. Joseph went there because he was from the family of David. Joseph registered with Mary because she was engaged to marry him. While Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem, she, the time came for her to have the baby. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you new, good news of great joy that, there, that will be for all the people. For unto you... It for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And he will be a sign, for you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was an angel of the Lord, a multitude of heavenly hosts of God, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those who whom with whom he is pleased. When the angel of the Lord went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see the, see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary, Joseph, and the baby lying in a manger. 
And when they saw it, made known to the saying that had been told to them concerning this child, and who had heard it, wondered at what the shepherds told him. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. And at the end of the eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Amen. Thank you, guys. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, amazing that we can hear out of the mouth of your children the glory of your word. And so this morning, God, we are asking and praying that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to embrace the truth of something that happened so long ago that changed all of history. The climax of all of history that the power even then is the power we have now that found in Jesus Christ. So God, we ask now, help us to hear and listen and know every distraction put away. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. In your name, Jesus, amen, amen. So kids, let me ask you a question. What do you want for Christmas? What do you want? A PS4. See a lot of adults going, yeah, that's what I want too. Uh, what else? A bearded dragon. That's a real thing. Okay, great. Yes, I think, it, yeah, okay. Yes. What? Glitter. Okay, awesome. Glitter. I'm, I'm sure your dad's real happy about that too, right? Yeah, glitter, okay. What else, Mason? What? I was waiting for somebody to say it, right? A Red Ryder BB gun. Dude, it'll shoot your eye out, Mason. Adults, what about you? What do you want for Christmas? More sleep. Uh-huh, yeah, right, right, right. What else? A day off. I think I heard that one. What's that? No kids fighting. Kids, do you hear the difference between your parents' wish list and your wish list? Significant difference, right? Yeah. Um, let me ask you this question. All these things that you want, does Christmas, Advent leading up to this Christmas, does it stir within you a desire to want more of God? And it, does, it, does, does Christmas instill in you a desire to want more of God. Yeah? And that's, that's a really challenging question, isn't it? Because we are living in a culture, especially at this time, where we are bombarded with getting stuff for us. The Lexus with the red bow, right? It's that commercial that year after year after year entices us to spend 100 grand on a car. That makes sense. Okay, uh, or the, the idea of giving more gifts and more abundance. 
and, and we say, oh, we're going to give gifts to other people, which we do, and that's a good thing. And receiving gifts is a good thing. But more often than not, the truth of who God is and what he has done in and through Jesus Christ gets pushed aside because we live in a world that's all about getting stuff for us. It's consumeristic, and it's hard. And so when we get to this time of year, as great as it is to give gifts and to give gifts, we start thinking, oh, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, this is about God, right? It's about Jesus. And Advent, these four weeks of preparing us and Christmas itself, should call us to want more of God. It calls us to want more of God. And Luke tells us this story and these 20-some verses of why we should want more of God. And Luke starts out with kind of setting the story in this political kind of realm. And he says in verse 1, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all of the world should be registered. Now, Caesar Augustus, he was the emperor, the ruler of Rome, the most powerful nation at that time. He ruled over everything, and then he wanted to take, a, he wanted people to be registered. He wanted a census. He wanted to see how many people lived in his kingdom. And do you know that Caesar Augustus, not only was that his title of emperor, but that he also had another couple titles that people used to call him. Do you know what they were? People used to call Caesar Savior because they believed that he would give peace to all the people in his kingdom. You know what else they called Caesar? They called him Lord because they thought that he ruled over everything. But this story isn't about Caesar. It's not even about Quirinius who was the governor of Syria as Luke tells us. No, the story is better than that. And so we see that as Luke unfolds this, he tells us this continuation of what we've already heard about Mary and her soon-to-be husband, Joseph, and how they come to Bethlehem, this really crowded, tiny little village, and they can't find a place to stay. Look what the scriptures say. Verse 7. Well, back up, verse 6. And while they were there, Joseph and Mary, while they were there in Bethlehem, The time came for her, Mary, to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths. That's what they did for a little baby. And they laid him in a manger or a feed trough because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, tradition tells us, as do every single Christmas card you see and every single... uh, cartoon that's been made that Joseph and Mary would go and knock on an inn. It would look like it was kind of some sort of hotel, right? And there was no place for them. And so all of a sudden they're sent out to this stable or this barn out in the middle of nowhere. And there's all these animals that just came there. And they place the little baby in a wooden feed trough or a manger. Might have looked like that. But in the time of first century that this story takes place, an inn was more like an actual family's home. And it was a two-story level home. It looked like this. I think we got a picture of it. Nope. 
Maybe not? Okay, we did. It's gone. Okay, but there were two levels. Imagine like a two-story house. And so the family would live on the second level of the house. And on the first floor was where they would place all of their vulnerable or really important animals. And so more likely, Joseph and Mary were in the first floor of an actual home because there was no room for them to live at the upper level where all these other people were. Were there animals there? Maybe. Luke doesn't say and doesn't mention it. But they did place Jesus in a manger. And a manger did look like that picture that was just up there. It may have been made of wood, but more likely it was probably made of stone. And you don't put babies in stone mangers. That just doesn't happen. That's where the animals eat. That's where they will feed. But what's interesting as we read through the story, do you know that Luke says manger three times in this story? It's like he's deliberately wanting us to understand about the manger. Why do you think he does that? And adults, you can answer too. Why do you think Luke specifically mentions the manger three times in this narrative? He wanted to know that God was was born in a manger. Yes, he wanted them, he wants us to know that God was born in a manger. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Karen. Humbling experience. Yeah. We're going to see that in a minute. Yeah, the manger was to be a for sure sign for these shepherds. We're going to read about it in a second. So they would know exactly who they were looking for. The manger did two things that I think. Number one, it shows that God knows what he's talking about. And number two, he was given his shepherds a sure sign to know who they're searching for in all these homes throughout the city. Who is this newborn king? And so the story is really not even about the manger. It gets better than that. And as Luke unfolds this real drama, we are drawn to this field where there's these shepherds. Verse 8 And in that same region, the same region where Mary and Joseph were, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Have you ever seen a shepherd? You ever seen one? We don't really see them around Phoenix much, do we? No. Here's here's something about shepherds. They were not very liked people. Okay, they were kind of the, out, the, the fringes of society, if you were, the least, the lost, the left out. They were not looked at favorably because their profession was looked down upon. They dealt with dirty animals, sheep. They themselves were dirty. In the eyes of the Jewish people, they were considered unclean. These were not the people that you are looking at fa- uh, friending on Facebook. Okay, these were the outcasts. And they're just minding their business. They're out taking care of their sheep in the fields, doing their everyday stuff of life. And then guess what happens? An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. 
Well, we've seen that before, haven't we? What happens when the angel comes to Zechariah in the temple? Do you guys remember that? He was afraid. When the angel Gabriel came to Mary and told her she was going to have a child by the Holy Spirit who would be Jesus, she was afraid. And so it makes sense. Here the shepherds are afraid. Would you be afraid? Angel of the Lord, the glory of God shone. They were filled with fear. And the angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you, shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. Now, this might get lost on the kids, but this should weigh heavy on the adults. Isn't it amazing that the king of the world comes to the least, the lost and the left out, to bring them the good news? They don't go to Caesar, the savior and lord of Rome. They go to the left out, the lost, the unfavored shepherds, to bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. There's a lot of different sermons that could be preached on that. And the angel continues. And he says, for unto you is born this day, this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A savior. Wait wait a minute. Wasn't Caesar the savior? Wasn't Caesar the Lord? And the angel is saying to these shepherds, no, he's an earthly king. He's an earthly savior. But this baby, he's the savior. He's greater than Caesar. He's greater than any president. He's greater than any ruler. This baby is the one that has been promised for years and years and years who would come to his people and save them. This little baby is the Savior who is Christ the Lord. And it's really important that we kind of talk about those words, what they mean. Do you know that this is the only time in the entire New Testament, those 27 books from Matthew to Revelation, that those three titles are spoken of Jesus in the same sentence? The only time. And these are all titles of Jesus. They're not his name. They're a title given to him, Savior. Do you guys know what Savior means? The one who saves. Yeah. The one who has come to save. And the word salvation that comes from the one who will save us, who gives us salvation, Jesus, that is such a big word. It's much fuller than we give credit for. That means that this baby was going to save his people from all evil, including sin. He was going to save them from eternal death and punishment and oppression He was going to rescue his chosen people. This was good news. But he was also called the Christ. Or the word in Hebrew is Messiah. Maybe you've heard that before. And that word Christ means the anointed one. And in the Bible, when we see people being anointed, 
often they were anointed either as a priest, a prophet, or a king. And Jesus was all three. Jesus was the anointed king, prophet, and priest over all. And not only was he the Christ, he was also Lord. And Lord means master and ruler over all things. Do you understand what the, the angel is saying? This baby is greater than the emperor of Rome. This baby is greater than your principal. This baby is greater than any ruler we've ever had or ever will be because this baby rules it all. That's good news of great joy. But it doesn't stop there. The angel continues and he says, and this is going to be a sign for you, shepherds. You will find that baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. There it is again, manger. This is how you're going to know that's the baby you're going to be looking for. He's going to be in the manger. And then suddenly, there was with that angel a multitude, which means many, of the heavenly host. You guys know what host means? It's like an army. An army of angels over the fields. And what do they say? They begin praising God. And they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You guys have probably heard that sung before, haven't you? You've seen plays where angels come and they're flying around and they're singing glory to God in the highest. And it maybe happened like that. It's very likely. But it's also possible that an army of angels started chanting, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased. Can you imagine that? Powerful, fearful, glorious. How would you have responded? How did Zechariah respond when the angel came to him? Did he have spirit fingers? Woo! What did Zechariah do, kids? Freaked out? He did freak out. He did freak out, and we would freak out. But he heard the angel's words, and he said, how can this be true? Zechariah didn't believe. And what happened to Zechariah? He couldn't talk for nine months. Probably couldn't hear as well. And then that same angel, Gabriel, came to Mary. How did Mary respond? How can this be? But her question was like, how can I, probably a 12-year-old girl, have a baby when I'm not even married yet? It was a question of, I don't understand. But you remember what she says? She said she had a peace beyond understanding. Is that what you said? Peace? Okay. Well, she, did, she had a peace, for sure, even though she didn't understand it. 
beyond understanding, right? And she says to the angel, I will do what the word of the Lord says. I am your servant. How do you think now the shepherds will respond? Wow, look at that, Joe. That's amazing. Okay, let's go back to the sheep. All right, we'll take you later. Is that how they responded? Let me ask you. How do you respond to the good news of great joy? Oh, love Jesus. I believe in him. Where's the gifts? Let's get on to our normal day, every stuff, everyday stuff of life. How are you responding? Advent calls us to want more of God and to respond to that goodness. How do those shepherds respond? God takes the initiative. Verse 15, and when the angels went away from them, the shepherds, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They want more. There is someone who's come to us, who is the Savior, the one that we've been hoping for and longing for for years and years and years. He is now here. He's lying in a manger. Let's go see. Advent calls us to want more of Jesus. And the shepherds go. And they went with haste, which means they went super fast. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. There's the manger again. You know, we were talking about this, my wife and I, this morning. And the question was, how did they know where Jesus was? Isn't it cool how God just uses everyday stuff to point us to the right thing? Going door to door, is there a baby in a manger here? Baby in a manger here? Who knows how many houses they searched for? Luke doesn't tell us. But once they find the baby in the manger, then they knew, this is the one. This is the one the angels were talking about. And when they saw the baby in the manger, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. Advent, the good news of great joy, calls us to want more of God. And it calls us to declare to others the goodness of God, to proclaim as the shepherds did. And all who heard what the shepherds had told them wondered what it was the shepherds were talking about. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now it's like confirmation for Mary. I believe you, God. I don't know what you're doing. And now these shepherds come and they say, we've heard the good news. The baby that you've had this is save the Savior, Christ the Lord. And Mary embraces that. Advent calls us to embrace the good news of great joy of Jesus. 
and the shepherds returned, high-fiving one another, skipping, spirit fingers galore, as they go back out glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Advent calls us to rejoice. We want more of God. We proclaim the goodness of God. We embrace and treasure in our hearts the goodness of this Savior, and then we go out rejoicing anywhere and everywhere. That's what Christmas is about. And at the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb Advent calls us to want more of God. Do you want that this season? Because the same baby that was born in a manger, who is the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the joy of the shepherds is our joy today. Do you believe that? Kids, do you believe that? Adults, do you believe that? Listen to what this author, Bobby Gross, yes, that is his last name, kids, I know you're laughing, what he says about this, and he says, this time is a season of wonder. The highest gave up his glory to be born of the lowly. The logos and the light become body and blood. The government of God began in a barn, and the angels of heaven sang or chanted the hope of all humanity. Wonder fills us with joy and moves us to self-giving love. For wonder is the posture of the humble and the grateful So in this Advent season, and this Christmas season, we come once again to Bethlehem in the poverty of the shepherds, with the humility of the wise, and we bow down before the manger, the feed box, because it holds the bread of life, the gift by which we are enriched. Advent calls us to want the bread of life. It wants, calls us to want more of God, his gift. His gift, better than a PS4. Better than a sleepful night or a day off, as great as those things are. But the gift of the baby who grows to be a man who demonstrates in word and life and deed that he is the Savior, the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. He's the best gift that you could ever have. And he's the one this season that our hearts should be longing for in the midst of a world that tells us, get what you want, take all the gifts, be selfish, Jesus calls us to remember him and embrace him. And then because of that, we give. Because he's given himself to us. You know, Jesus, when he became a man, 
And if you know the story, he dies on a cross for us. And when he was standing before a man by the name of Pilate, Pontius Pilate, you've heard that name? Pilate says to Jesus, are you really the king? And Jesus says, yeah, I'm the king. And he says, for this purpose I was born. For this purpose I came into the world to testify and witness to the truth. Jesus is saying the reason I was born and the reason that I'm here in this world is so that I could tell the world that I am the way, the truth, and the life. That through me, only can you have life and peace. See, Christmas points us to the cross. And every time we celebrate Christmas, we remember not only the great gift of Jesus coming into the world, but it points us to the fact that the purpose Jesus did was to save us from our sin. The same little baby that was laid in that manger was the man who would go and be nailed to a cross. Those tiny little soft hands that clung to Mary would be the hands that would someday be spread out with sharp iron nails pierced through them. That soft little forehead brow that Joseph would brush was the same brow that would be brutally pierced with the crown of thorns. And those soft, cute, newborn tears and the future would soon be the anguished cries of Jesus in the garden in that Gethsemane and at Calvary. Christmas points us to the cross. And the one who is the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, is the one who died for you and for me so that we might live. That's good news of great joy. That is the greatest gift, kids, adults, you could ever have is to see that your sin, your rebellion against God, which has separated you from God, has been laid upon the shoulders of the man Jesus Christ. Taking away the wrath and punishment we so deserved, and instead giving us his righteousness. You know what that means, kids? That now God looks at us, and we're deeply loved by God. There's nothing you could do that could ever separate you from the love of God. And now when God looks at you, if you've trusted in Jesus, he is well pleased with you. And he says the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave now dwells within you as a Christian, as a believer, to now live out Advent not just in December, but January through November. That's good news. Jesus came to die, but he also conquered death by rising from the grave. That's what Advent is. It prepares us to see the good news of great joy, that the one who died and rose again is the same one who will come again 
eternally to dwell with him, we will be. And he will right all that is wrong. That is good news. Even for us today, even in our broken relationships, even in the turmoil of what some of us feel in this season, that Jesus brings the good news of salvation even now. Advent calls us to want more of God. Do you want that? Jesus is here. He offers himself to you. Let us take and live for his glory. Let's pray. Father God, we worship you because you are the God who loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus, into the world to save us. He is our Savior. He is our Christ. He is our Lord. And may we respond like the shepherds with joy and proclamation, glorifying and praising you because Jesus is the best gift we could have. Work in us, Holy Spirit, so that the beauty of this season does not get lost, does not get pushed out by all the gift-giving and consumeristic things of this world, the worries of our life. No, God, give us Jesus over and over and over so that you are glorified. In the name of Jesus, we ask and pray. Amen.